And when he saw the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. When sitting down, his disciples came to him. And he opened up his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. These words would have been fire, electric. The Beatitudes are the introduction to the greatest sermon ever told. In a hostile, oppressive culture, Jesus says the attitude of the king, the attitude of the kingdom would be towards others, including your enemies, that of love. It was the manifesto of the kingdom of God. It was his central message in a world where people, when they thought of kingdom, would have thought of dominion, strength, power, win at all costs. Surely you understand that, right? You've been in an argument where you've gotten defensive or you want to get your point across or you want to win that argument, regardless if you hurt the relationship. Maybe you've been in traffic, right? We've all been there. Luke 1604, and it's traffic, and then someone's slow, and you want to get around, and you find your knuckles white, and you're frustrated. Where did that come from? Where you're playing a game with your family, right? Are you happy, content, and excited that your opponent is winning in Monopoly? Or do you want to flip the tables when you have to mortgage your last property? <laughs> It's pride or humility. And the Lord is saying, hey, this is a road that will lead to destruction. It's selfish. It's, it's, it, it brings attention to yourself. And he's saying there is another way. Open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5. I'm so excited that you're here as we continue our journey through the Gospel of Matthew. We're here for a brand new series called Up on a Mountain. Jesus is setting up shop Near Tiberias, this would have been about 10 minutes away driving, 45-minute hike. This is where Herod would have been. Herod would have uh, arrested John the Baptist. He is constantly threatening, even from Jesus' time as a birth, and, and the threat of any other kingdom would have been a great, th great th threat to the king. But Jesus isn't running away. He, is, he, he says, do you tell that, that fox? He, he's like... And with great strength and humility, he's a, it's the arrival of a king. And his message is clear. It's found in verse 17 of, of Matthew chapter 4. What is the central message? Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. He's saying, hey, pay attention. You're going in a direction that's rebellious, that leads to destruction. Stop. There's good news. I have come to save you from your sins. Repent. Turn from your sin. Turn to God, and I will change your life. That's the message of the king. And so he shares this message through the Sermon on the Mount. He starts with the Beatitudes. And we look at verse 1, and it says, And when seeing the multitudes... So when Jesus saw the crowds, every time he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion. 
want you to imagine the, the look in his eyes when he sees the hurting, the poor, the sick. That's what would have made up the great crowd around this area, area from places like Nazareth through the fishing villages of Galilee. It was day laborers, it was the slums, it was the poor. It was those who were the outcasts in great need of a savior. Those are the ones who came around Jesus. Why did they come? Because they heard about his healings. They heard about his message. John the Baptist had prepared the way and now Jesus is going, he's going public. Word is out and the crowds are coming. And Jesus is moved with compassion. When he sees the, the crowd, it says that he climbs a mountain. He goes on top of a mountain. I want, to imagine, I want you to imagine what if you were in that multitude and you saw Jesus and you're wondering, is this the one? He's doing miracles. Is this really the Messiah? And so you follow along and you follow up on top of the mountain and Jesus sits down and his closest followers draw near. And the first word out of his mouth is what? Blessed. A word that he would repeat seven more times. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. He's saying, blessed are those who are greatly dependent upon God, who are broken over their sinful condition. For those who will be comforted and forgiven and then in a right place to receive the attitude of meekness. But this word blessed, what does it mean? Literally, it means happy. We see this, his audience would have been familiar with the word blessing and to be blessed by God. You can read about the blessings of God in Psalm and in Proverbs. It, it means happy, but not in a sense that you might think. Like in an American Western mindset, we think happy, like we're happy if the American dream comes true. We're happy in what we get. We're happy in what we have. And Jesus is saying, hey, a, a supernatural happiness and blessing comes not in what you get or what you do, but rather who you are. It's in your character and it's there. It's like the blessing of God is his favor if you're fulfilling his will. When you align your character with the character of God, it's there that you will have supernatural peace, supernatural joy, supernatural blessing and favor. So these beatitudes, I challenge you to memorize them because Gandhi even said, who was not a believer in Jesus the Messiah, says these are the most beautiful statements that were, has ever been said in human history. And so they may seem mystical, poetical, but they are like, they flow one to another. The first half are internal. The second half deal within our relationship with other people. And they flow. They're like links upon a chain. They're all connected to each other. But of all of these beatitudes, I want us to focus on one of them today. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What does meek mean? When's the last time you used the word meek as an adjective to describe someone? It's not in our everyday vocabulary, is it? We don't use it often. Why not? Why don't we use the word meek? I think maybe we don't truly understand it, or it rhymes with what word? When you think of meek, it, you might be reminded, think that it reminds or tempted to, to associate it with weak. But meekness is not a submissive passivity. It doesn't mean that you don't have a backbone. It's not a certain uh, doormat quality. Meekness is not weakness. So meek comes from the Greek word praus, which means strength under control, yielded dynamite, surrendered strength. It means there's a, a great amount of strength. It's just under control. It's yielded. 
It's a powerful word. Jesus borrows the word meek from the Greek army. It's a military word used to describe horse training. That's right, y'all. We got a horse in the church today. Because I don't want you to forget the importance of this word, all right? And so this is Rico, beautiful horse, right? Don't, don't make him nervous. Or he's not going to get nervous. He does, he's done rodeo. He's like 20 years old. Rico Suave is his name. And he is. He's smooth. Look how beautiful. 1,200 pounds of pure muscle. And he has done, he's been in all kinds of arenas and crowds and is just gorgeous, right? Gorgeous horse. And so when Jesus is using the word meek, He's not using this word to be a lowly, uh, weak individual. He's saying strength under control. It's a military horse training term. It means like, so the Greek army, we go out into the hills, into the mountains, and then we gather all these wild horses in, and then we begin to train them, to break them. A majority of these horses, not fit. Why? Because they were independent, rebellious, they wouldn't submit to their master. And so a majority of these horses were just set free and let go. I wonder how many of us are unfit in the kingdom of God because we do not submit to the lordship of Jesus. That we're not coachable, not teachable. There's something inside of us that says it's my way and no one else's. Unfit for the kingdom. And so all those horses were let go. And then there were some horses that were considered working horses. They would carry heavy loads. Pray with me that he doesn't let go of any heavy loads today in church. <laughs> but they were working horses and they, they worked hard. But this Greek army, they were searching for a specific kind of horse, a meek horse, a prau horse. It was a war horse. And the war horse was considered meek because they, they would not flinch under fire. It could be the loudest cannon fire and they would not be in fear. This is Rico. I mean, he's a powerful horse. They could bug me off if, I, if he wanted, but this is great strength under control by his master. Trust your master. And it's the only reason why I'm able to sit on top of it right now. But these meek horses, wow. They would respond to the slightest touch of the rider. They would advance into battle and stop at a whisper. This is what Jesus referred to as being meek. Great strength under control. Yielded strength. Just yielded dynamite. So much power and strength. But chosen to submit to the master. When Jesus says, I want my followers to be meek, this is what he's talking about. He's saying not to be a doormat, not that you don't have backbone or you're non-confrontational. It's that you pick your moments. You have a sword, but sometimes it's greater for the kingdom of God when you don't fight with it, but rather you lay it down. It's this surrendered strength that Jesus is saying, if you're in my kingdom, the way of the king, think about Jesus. How did he live his life as a king? Did you ever see him lose control? Did he ever panic? And he expects that of his followers. We're in his kingdom. People will never forget when you lose control. And so it's strength under control. It's yielded to God. 
And so much about this word meek is key to so many of the other topics in the Sermon on the Mount. Think about it. When Jesus says, hey, it's not if you just commit the act of adultery, it's if you think lustful thoughts, you've committed adultery in your heart. So control those thoughts. Don't have anger towards your enemy. It's like you've committed murder. He's saying control those thoughts. Like when he says, don't let your thoughts go to worst case scenario, that's worrying. Control those thoughts. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the master, even with your words. The book of James, remember it says, hey, the hardest member in your whole body to control is what? Is the tongue. But if you control the tongue, you're going to be able to control everything else. So James, the half-brother of Jesus, says, hey, the tongue is like the bridle in the mouth of the horse. It's like the bit. You control that, you're going to be able to control. So it's all about controlling, self-control. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And this is what Jesus desires and expects of you, not in your own strength, but in the strength of the Lord. He's given us the power, Acts 1.8, given us power from on high, the power of the Holy Spirit to be meek, to be gentle, to be humble, amen? That's what the Lord desires of us, to be followers. We are to be meek, to follow his example. And so how are we gonna be meek? I wanna present, challenge you with three ways that you might consider just applying meekness to your life. And again, it's, it's really yielding if you're following after Jesus, if you've, if you've been born in the spirit, you are a new creation. So it's the spirit of God in you that wants to produce the fruit of self-control, strength of the Lord, but under control. And so how are you going to apply this? First, a meek follower is yielded to God. Yielded to who? God first. So it's understanding that Jesus is king. God is God and we are not. It's bowing a knee to the kingdom, to the king first. It's understanding, yes, Jesus is our savior, but he's also our Lord. It's so submitting to the lordship of Jesus. He tells us in the Great Commission to, he commands us to obey all of his teachings. So this Sermon on the Mount that we are diving into, and we're studying and memorizing and praying and going over in our small groups, we are to obey all of it. We can't pick some places, some passages, some commands are, are, we'll do if it's convenient. Others, uh, that doesn't apply to me. It's relative truth. And, and, and I just maybe disagree or the world disagrees. So maybe it's not for me and it's not absolute truth. Hey, if Jesus says it, it's true. It's divine. And we need to obey. The convictions and the promises of God must be our convictions and promises. It's the manifesto of the kingdom. It's, these are the decrees that we must obey so in our nature, and our attitude, Jesus desires us to be yielded to God, to be meek, to be just surrendering to him. And this means like, it's easy to, to be meek when things are going good, right? When things are going according to your expectations. But what happens when they don't? What happens when God allows things in your life to shift? He allows a trial. Someone hurts you. Someone in church hurts you. Misses your expectation, there's, there's a wound, there's hurt, there's an arrow in the, in the heart. What, how are you going to respond then? Are you going to still be meek? Because the, the human tendency is to, to protect, to defend, to, to do our own thing and not to forgive and not to, to remain meek. But remaining meek is, is having a soft and tender heart even when things happen that are outside of our control. Like when you go through a storm, whether it be financially, relationally, 
with your health. When things are spinning, it's easy to panic. It's easy to get nervous. But when you're meek, you're trusting in your master and it's being content with the things you can't control. But being courageous with the things that you can and having wisdom to know the difference. And so be meek in your circumstances. Be meek as being yielded to God, saying, God, I, I, I don't know or understand why I'm going through what I'm going through, but I'm gonna trust you because you're in control. You are king. And then we're in a world, right, where things are spinning. It looks like things, a lot of people are panicking. The market is up and down. We've got nations fighting against nations, right? There's all kinds. We've kind of come out of a pandemic year, and now we're in a new year. We maybe had, this is going to be a year of peace, but things are still shifty, right? What are you giving your time and attention to? Trust in the Lord. Be okay and content in him. Be yielded to God. So we're going to be yielded to God first. Second, we're going to be yielded to others. And not just the people that we like, not just those in authority, but we're going to be yielded because Jesus says to love, pray, and bless your enemies. Can you be yielded? A sign of great maturity, a sign of, of meekness is can you be yielded in the hostile environments? Because Jesus desires for you to meet evil with good. Can you do that? Can you be meek to the people who oppose you, who persecute you? What did Jesus do? At the moment of the cross, he didn't defend himself right? When his, uh, when his disciples tried to defend him in the garden, right? Even with the sword, Jesus rebuked, he healed. The way of the kingdom is meekness. Again, it's having a sword in your hand, but sometimes we choose to lay it down. You don't have to win every argument, especially if it hurts or causes you maybe to lose the relationship. And so it's about avoiding unnecessary harshness in your tone, it's listening more than talking and being heard, being gentle in your tone and your relationships with others. Yes, there's, a, there's a, a yielding to God, but God allows there to be where he delegates his authority to other people, earthly authority, spiritual authority, students, your parents, or your delegated authority. You are expected to honor and obey them as you would unto the Lord. And when you don't, you're disobeying God. You need to understand that. But this, it says you could rebel. You could have your own way or choose that. That would be unwise. That would be foolish. But meekness is surrendering and yielding that to obey and honor. And we need to do that one towards each other. Like it, the, Spiritual fights don't do the kingdom of God any good. It's a terrible witness to the family of God and to the kingdom. God hates fighting. That's why the enemy schemes and he tries to bring division. He tries to bring conflict and hurt and bitterness and unforgiveness because it's a, a terrible, terrible witness to the king. That's why we must submit, submit to each other. The word of God says, wives, trust your husbands. Submit to them. It's like, hey, there's a lot of strength in you, ladies. And you could do or say your own thing, but you honor God by saying, hey, I trust my husband. He has served me. He's led the way with sacrificial love. And so there's gonna be this mutual submission and love and honor. And that's how you have a healthy marriage. And this is how we're gonna have healthy small groups when we submit one to another and we trust each other. And the tone of our voices is not harsh, but rather we're, we're gentle. You know who's an example in the Bible of uncontrolled strength? Samson, right? We think of Samson, we think of physical strength, but he didn't control it. 
He didn't submit it to the Lord for much of his life. There were moments that he did, but for much of it, he didn't. Do you know the two people in the Bible that are, that are described as meek? Moses and Jesus. Were either of them weak? No, Jesus said, come to me and learn from me, for I am meek, I am humble of heart, I am gentle. This is the nature of our king. And Jesus was, had great strength, but he yielded it to his father. He was always dependent upon the Lord. He didn't want to say or do anything that his father didn't want him to do. May we be as yielded to God and yielded to others in our relationships. So first, yielded to who? God. Second, yielded to others. Third, I want to challenge you to be yielded to the mission. Yielded to the mission. Because it's servants of the king and his army that we would say, I will bow my knee and say yes to whatever he asks. Nothing off limits. So what is the mission? Jesus is very clear in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded, and I will be with you always to boldly proclaim the kingdom of God. We should challenge people to repent and to turn to God. Friends, family members, people who we go to school with, people that we work with, we are to be the light in dark places. Being meek isn't being silent, but it's having a tone of humility and love, but still speaking the truth, picking those moments. And we should be bold. Why? Because we have yielded dynamite. The power that Acts 1.8 says, is, it literally means dudamus, dynamite. That's the power that God gives us. And he wants us to yield it to the Lord so we can bring others to the kingdom of God. He's the one who saves from sins, but we need to be obedient. We are to make disciples. Why? Jesus made disciples and he commanded us to go and make disciples. This helping our friends become devoted followers of Jesus. The spiritual growth happens best in the context of a friendship or relationship. This is why we are so passionate about small groups here because it's in the, the context of friendship and in community that we deepen our love for each other and we're challenged to deepen our love for the Lord. There we have confession and accountability and pastoral care. My greatest burden as your pastor is that half of you still don't belong to a small group. How are you ever going to make disciples of your children or your friends if it hasn't been modeled first and you're missing the opportunity? This is why I challenge you after, after worship service, if you don't belong to a small group, go to the den, go to these different hangout areas, sunshine or rain. Let respond to the desire that you were born for the community, for the body of Christ, not to be isolated and by yourself, but your character is helped form in the context of community, the body of Christ. Some of you have been in a small group for a while, and it's time that you move from being a spectator to a participant. You've grown in the Lord. Don't be puffed up with knowledge, but rather Hey, respond to the call, go make disciples. Talk to your small group leaders. Hey, hey, do you think I'm ready? I'm not perfect, but I'm ready to go through training to maybe start a new small group. We have such a great opportunity. There's still neighborhoods in our community that still there is not yet a small group. And we need to go there with a light and start more small groups to see them multiplied in our city. It's so important. This is the way. This is the method of Jesus through friendships relationships, conversations. This is the way of the kingdom. 
So I wanna challenge you to maybe take this next step. Imagine that you are in your neighborhood and you have a desire to get to know your friends, your neighbors, so you invite them over to your house, okay? And you're gonna, you're gonna prepare a meal. So you did everything, a couple of days, it took a lot of work, you mowed the grass, you, you cleaned the house, you went and got all the food at H-E-B, and you, you, got all, you marinated your meat, you put it on the grill, it's perfect, you, prepared, you served your guests. And then you got, just brought dessert out, you had a wonderful time of fellowship, they had a great time. But how many of you guys hosting time, people in your home, it, it requires a little bit of energy and effort. They had a great time and they had such a great time that they said, hey, can we do this next week? All right, so you say, sure, absolutely. Man, we're we're building friendships here. So they all come over to the house, same thing. You start early, you get everybody, all your kids, you're cleaning up the place, making the meal. And they're saying, hey, can we do this again? You're like, okay. But at some point in this weekly gathering, you're probably gonna have the thought, I I, I really hope that they they would maybe contribute a little bit. So maybe you open up your mouth and say, hey, would you probably bring in a side item? Or maybe, how about we do it at your house next week, right? What would happen if your neighbors all said that they're just content and they just wanna be the guest, the perpetual guest, always receiving, always consuming? And my concern is that as a church family is that we grow, that we have more, spectators than participants because God has not called us to be spectators. He's called us to be an army, that we're all advancing the kingdom of God through building relationships and making disciples. This is mission critical. And may the Lord, he's, he's, there's, a, there's a waking, there's a stirring in us, that there's a rising up in us. And, and I wanna challenge you, you're never gonna be perfect. There's never, it's like there's never the perfect time to have a baby, but we need to, we need to multiply and we need to start more small groups. Why? We've got to get larger as a church family because people in our community matter. We've got to get smaller because you matter. And we do that through small groups. Father, we thank you. We submit to you. We bow our heads to you in prayer in response to your message. Jesus, in response to your life and example for us, you clearly We're meek, and you taught on this. God, I pray that you would convict our hearts in areas of our life that we try to become independent, try to have our own rights, our own way. Lord, as we wait upon you in the stillness and the quietness of this moment, Holy Spirit, would you lead us to transformation? Would you lead us to growth? Would you lead us to maturity, even if it's uncomfortable? As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to bring to the surface, to shine the light on areas that are not yielded. First, are there any areas in your life that are not yielded to God? Are there any areas that you're saying, no, this is off limits. This is where I'm gonna have control. It might be a secret sin. You think it's hidden from everybody else, but the eyes of God see it even now. And he's wanting to convict you that you might repent and confess the sin and turn to God. Do not resist that conviction. Submit and yield it to the Lord. 
Do you have any people in your life that just by the mention of their name or when you visualize their face, there's uprises some pain and hurt or anger? Would you confess that to the Lord? He's wanting to lead you to repentance and, and forgiveness and reconciliation. And, and just would you surrender it to him? Someone has hurt you. Maybe they've never apologized. But unless you are healthy in this relationship, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause you to think or see the grid of other people through that same lens. And it's not healthy. And bitterness will hurt your soul. Would you yield that to the Lord? How does the Lord, even now, as you say, Lord, what's next? What's next in the mission? How can, just ask the question, Holy Spirit, how can I, in my role, how, how can I advance your kingdom? For the Holy Spirit has given you certain spiritual gifts, ministry gifts, and it's time that you start serving him. Start by serving as a volunteer a couple of times a month. Start by giving a meal to someone who is lonely in your neighborhood. Just begin to love others, serve others. Maybe he's asking you to, to take the next step, to be trained, to start a small group, to become meek and strong in the Lord, to yield that gift to the Lord. Maybe be a part of a new church that's starting here or in L, somewhere else in our, outside of our community. Would you listen to the voice of the Lord as the Spirit would lead you and guide you? Say yes, trust in him. May every doubt and every voice that does not come from God be silent. With heads still bowed, if the Holy Spirit is knocking on the door of your heart, He's desiring fellowship, the reality is that you are in sin and your life is not right with God. There's no peace, there's no joy, there's no blessing. It's because you're independent from God. Jesus came to this earth. And he did not just exercise authority for the sake of exercising. He came to serve. He gave his life as a ransom for many. He died on the cross. His blood was spilled for his love for you, that you might be forgiven, cleansed, saved from your sin, saved from the separation between you and God. He's done his part. And when you surrender and yield to him, you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Confess and repent of your sin. You will be forgiven, cleansed. And that relationship that was once fractured can be reconciled and you can be born into the kingdom of God as a new creation. If that's something that you desire and your hope, I want to count to three. And if you're in this room and you want to yield and surrender your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask that you will be bold to declare publicly, I want to follow Jesus. I submit to him, not just my Savior, but to my, as my Lord. One, two, don't hesitate. Three, all over this room, would you raise your hand right now? I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Praise God. We celebrate because we've been in your shoes. We've been where you're at. Thank you. Thank you. If you've raised your hand, would you just do me one more step? Would you, would you do me a favor and just stand up? Because we've got friends that want to come alongside and connect with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, couples. Thank you. Will you stand? Praise God. All heaven is rejoicing and we celebrate with you. But here's the moment. It's more than just a prayer. You're, I want you to know you are, you are following after the king. Line is drawn in the sand. You're stepping over and saying, Lord, I want to follow after you. I want to do everything. This is a commitment that you're making. All right? And so I want you to confess Jesus. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is the son of the living God. He rose from the dead. He's alive. He wants to change and transform your mind and your heart and your life and give you grace and spirit to follow after him. 
Amen? You are now becoming a son, a daughter of the King. So will you bow your heads right now? Would you just repeat after me? The faith, come with the faith of the child. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Say, dear Jesus, I believe that you are my King. You are my Savior. Thank you for coming to this earth and dying on the cross that I might be forgiven. I believe that you rose from the dead that you are alive today. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And from this moment on, I wanna follow after you. Would you just confess your sin, whatever the Holy Spirit brings to your mind right now, whatever it is, lust, gossip, greed, Father, we confess this. We're sorry for breaking your heart. Please forgive. You said if we confess our sin, we're cleansed from all unrighteousness. And I pray in this very moment, while we are in your presence, as there is, as there is commitments and confessions in you, Jesus, that you would change their minds, that you would cleanse their hearts, that you would set them free, that you would deliver them from the bondage of sin and hell. You see all the shame and the torment and the, and the enemy would try to bring condemnation, but I pray that you would set them free by the mighty name of Jesus in this moment. We are free in you and free these, these friends who are becoming family. Give them a hunger and thirst for your righteousness. Lord, let them be born in your spirit right now. God, give them joy and hope for the future. Give them a hunger for your word and for Christian fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray. Once again, let's, let's celebrate our friends.